Welcome to episode 76 of On Air, the Ohio Hockey Digest podcast. The Ohio Hockey Digest is the foremost location for hockey in Ohio, covering every level played from youth and high school to juniors, college and pro. Articles written to keep the hockey community up to date with all the happenings with hockey in and around Ohio. My name is Scott Harrington. I'm joined by producer Dan Humphrey with On Air. We are bringing you fresh content and adding voices, names and faces to interesting people making the Ohio hockey community better. This episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest on-air podcast is brought to you by the Ohio Hockey Project. Keep developing your game this summer with youth camps and off-season training sessions. Go to www.ohiohockeyproject.com to learn more. Well, it's a skeleton crew this week as we go down the depth chart here at on-air with just myself and, and Danny. Um, we will be joined by two great guests, however, Bob Krosky from the Cleveland Barons uh, 15s and John Malloy from Gilmore Academy. And with just being our second show in the last two months or so, we're still playing a little bit of catch up with the news. But first, Danny, what's going on at your house? Uh, not, not too much. Uh, we're, we're at that point in the year, the uh, garden's going in. So the garlic's coming in nice. We got the kale going now, some lettuce. Just got some tomatoes and cucumbers in there. So what's going on with you, Scott? Not a ton. Not a ton. I have a a list of home improvement projects that have to be done outside. So I've been able to put it off so far. But uh, finally, a break in the weather. We got some fantastic weather this week. So I guess I'll have to start start getting to it got to paint the garage paint a fence get some uh tuck pointing done on the chimney i mean that all sounds like good jobs for a uh a local boy scout who may live or not live in your house it does yeah the attention to detail sometimes <laughs> on something that <laughs> is going to be up there for a while is it is a cause for concern so Although he turned in an application for a job yesterday. Okay. So that was for a summer job. That was, I told my wife, I'm leaving here with our son. I'm coming back with a man. There you go. A member of the workforce, contributing member of society. Where, uh, so where did he apply exciting. at? But no. Uh, Mark's. Okay. There's a Mark's uh, short bicycle ride from our house. So. He can get himself to and from as needed. Um, there's only, what, four more weeks of school, I think. So it's actually coming up coming up pretty quick, quickly. We're trying to figure out if we're going to be able to get away for any trips this summer. My wife's going to Banff with some girlfriends. And she would like to go to South Dakota with my son and I, which would sounds like it would be a pretty cool trip, actually. Um I don't know. I didn't get up to New Hampshire last summer, so I'm trying to do that too. So just trying to figure out how to fit everything in around summer jobs and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe you'll have to do a live show from uh, beautiful South Dakota there. Yeah. From, uh, yeah. Uh, what's the name with all the hill with all the presents on it? Mount uh, Rushmore. Mount Rushmore. Yeah. Also, uh, let's see. What else am I up to? Just binge watching uh, Better Call Saul. I had to binge watch that because the last season's just out. And then uh, same thing with Ozark. I zipped right through that. Okay. Yep. We uh, we're up to date on Better Call Saul. Yeah. We're, we're still going on the last season of Ozark right now. Uh, and uh, Barry that one too i don't know if you've seen that one with uh bill Hader. we have not but it's it's on the list so yeah that's that one's outstanding that and that one just kicked up again too it's weird i'll go uh i don't watch a ton of tv i'll have hockey on in the background sometime if i'm on my laptop or stuff at night but now as far as watching regular you know shows or whatever i'll not watch tv for three weeks and then i'll just sit in front of it for three straight days just binge watching something to get caught up 
back in the day you had to sit around for a week and wait for the next show to come on yeah <laughs> we actually um because i mean we don't watch regular tv everything we stream so we finally pulled the plug on cable and nice yeah, just I have agree. streaming streaming services here and there so all right well let's uh see what's going on in the news like i said we've been playing catch up here um and we will delve into this item with greater depth with our first guest. But the biggest news, I think, uh, for the Ohio Hockey Digest uh, recently is the fact that four members of the Cleveland Barons 15U team were selected in the 2022 Ontario Hockey League draft. Anthony Spellacy, Landon Watson, Ryan Rosinski, and Troy Hunka. If I think, I think I'm saying that right. We will speak with the man that coached all four this season, Bob Krosky coming up shortly. In addition to grabbing one of those four Barons players, the OHL's Erie Otters held the second overall selection in the draft, picking left wing Malcolm Spence in 56 games with the Mississauga Senators uh, U16 AAA team. Spence scored 50 goals, 100 points, and was plus 77. Uh, and he was essentially the top 16-year-old prospect in Ontario, but his teammate, Michael Misa was granted exceptional player status to play in the OHL at 15 year, 15 years old. He was taken by the Saginaw spirit with the top pick. So Spence slides to the Otters at number two, and he will certainly be a player that fans will want to get out to Erie to see next season. The Youngstown Phantoms completed phase one and phase two of the annual USHL draft last week. Phase one, previously the futures draft, is for 2006 born players while any junior eligible player um, not already on a USA HL roster or reserve list can be selected in phase two. Youngstown drafted Ryan Roshinsky of independence, Ohio in the Cleveland Barons in phase one and Youngstown's own Cal Huston of the Pittsburgh Pens elite in phase two. With the second overall selection in phase two, the Phantoms nabbed 18 year old Matthew Perkins a point-per-game center from the Junior A Humboldt Broncos of the SJHL, who was committed to Minnesota Duluth in 2023. The Toledo Walleye take a 2 nothing series lead into Wheeling tonight. This is being taped on Tuesday, May 10th, where they hope to take a stranglehold on their best-of-seven Central Division final series against the Nailers. Toledo and Wheeling were both taken to a Game 7 in the last round by Cincinnati and Fort Wayne, respectively, with Wheeling needing over, needing overtime in Game 7 to advance. And if you remember back to our last episode, we had Michael Hauser, a uh, veteran goaltender for the Cincinnati Cyclones, uh, here on air. So it was kind of cool talking to him. And then seeing that, I believe it was his next start, he went out and got a shutout. Um, <clears throat> so Toledo is the number one team in the league this year. Cincinnati uh, went up three games to two and then went back to Toledo uh, and the walleye pulled it out. But in between, I don't know if it was between game five and six or six and seven, uh, Hauser actually got recalled to the Buffalo Sabres, which I thought was kind of interesting that they would take him out like that uh, in the middle of a playoff series. And he didn't even play. He just went up and sat on the bench. Um, so you'd wonder why they would do something like that. But he probably made about five grand you know, at the league minimum for driving up to Buffalo for the, for the day. So, uh, maybe they did that as a favor, who knows, but, um, I've been hoping to get out there to a game. Sully and I were talking about going, uh, to game six or seven of the last series. If they, uh, if they beat it, the next three games are in wheeling, I think. So the series might not even make it back to Toledo. We might have to wait for the next round, but looks like they're going to advance. So I would like to get over to the Huntington center. The couple times I've looked at tickets, uh, they go very, very quick. So you don't you don't have any perks being the uh, El Presidente of Ohio Hockey Digest. Well, yeah, you know, I haven't really uh, we haven't really done anything with them, so I kind of felt bad calling them right before a sold out playoff game and saying, "Hey, can you leave me a couple?" Yeah, but uh, I think uh, Sully might uh, hit up Coach Watson who lives in the next town over here. Yeah, maybe you can give us a ride. <laughs> Drive in with them on game day. <laughs> yeah, that'd be ideal, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. 
All right. So it looks like the Ohio State Buckeyes have some more talent in the pipeline. As Strongsville's Tyler Duke was one of three OSU recruits to appear on the final 2022 draft rankings for the NHL Central Scouting Bureau. Duke was joined by fellow incoming Buckeye freshman Davis Burnside and Stephen Halliday. Other names of interest from in and around Ohio include Youngtown, Youngstown Phantom Center Adam Ingram, ranked number 27 among North American skaters, and a trio of Erie Otters, defenseman Spencer Sova and Christian Koiru, and goaltender Nolan Lalonde. You're giving me all the difficult names there, Scott. Lalonde, come on, that's not a tough one. Lalonde. <laughs> With the ongoing conflict in Ukraine, the International Ice Hockey Federation took steps to sanction Russia and Belarus. Both countries were removed from all IIHF events, including this year's U18 tournament, World Junior, and the Men's World Championships. Russia was stripped of hosting both the World Junior and the Men's World Championships in 2023. And I also saw where the the CHL, the uh, uh the major junior it's the umbrella organization for for major junior hockey in canada they were not allowing russian or belarusian players in their import draft but it seems to me uh you want to make it as easy as possible for those kids to come over here and play i mean the russian they talk about the russian oligarchs the rich people that own everything over there they own most of the hockey teams and they don't want their players to leave so you would think they should make it easier for individual kids to come on. I mean, this what's going on isn't their fault. I would think they would want to make it easier for as many of them to come over as possible, but they are not allowing those. Also, I don't know how it's affecting individual players getting visas and things like that. It sounds like the Blue Jackets will get uh, their um, top prospect, Carol Marchenko, over here. They said he's coming over for the development camp. And then heading back to Russia, I would want to keep him right here. <laughs> I, yeah, wouldn't I mean, I wouldn't, you know, want to send him back, you know, because then you run the risk of him um, not, not being able to come back with, here. Yeah, with the uh, – exactly. Um, but he – to show you the uh, – kind of the, the way the relationship is, um, you know, he came over – uh, or had signed a contract with Columbus. He was going to stay over there for one more year. And uh, he was the one of the, the third or fourth leading scorer on his team. But once it became apparent uh, that he was not going to stay in Russia, they were playing about five minutes a game. And then after Christmas, they sent him down to their minor league team. So, he, you know, despite him being a key player for him, they were just, uh, just burying him. And that happens to guys all the time. So, you know, like I said, if you want to stick it to those Russian oligarchs, let all their players come over here. But we will see uh, how that works out. Hopefully he will uh, be here for development camp and then uh, head back over to Russia and still be able to make it back for the start of training camp with the Blue Jackets. Centerville's Nate Lehman has signed a contract extension to stay at Providence College. Um, you know, he had previously spoken with Boston College following Jerry York's retirement. Um, but again, I mean, that's a good get for him, you know, for him personally, but also for Providence College to keep their coach, you know, within their organization and keep moving things there in the right direction. Yeah, he's been there, uh, I think, 11 years and has obviously had a lot of success. Um, and the jobs at I mean, all those jobs in Hockey East are nice, but some are better than others. And obviously, BC and BU are like the two. Uh, actually, I saw Jay Pandolfo was going back to coach at BU. Um, <clears throat> but that, that's a that's a sweet gig. I, I think Jerry York's been there for like 30 years or something like that, maybe more. Um, and, you know, that he finally said he's like 78 or something like that. He's yeah. finally retiring. And they did interview um, – coach Lehman so I'm sure uh if nothing else that gave him some nice leverage when he went back to talk to the folks at Providence yeah I mean without a doubt there I mean and I also looking at it from from his point of view how do you follow up Jerry York 
I mean, that the, the expectation yeah. is set so high that you're almost, you know, I mean, it, it's a good job to take, but anyone going there, you're almost setting yourself up for failure. Yeah. Because you're following such a great coach and coach York that, you know, again, coach Lehman's doing great things at Providence has been, you know, he kind of has been slipping under the radar with everything that they can do there moving to one of those big hockey East schools the spotlights on you all day every day so yeah you're right maybe it'll uh maybe it'll work out better for him uh staying where he is they obviously they have to have a lot of love for him there at Providence College I seem to remember I don't know if it was Jerry York or FBC or the guy that was before him they were when he first took over they were just absolutely awful and they're usually obviously one of the top programs in the country but they had a particularly rough year his first year uh but they won the bean pot so he got another mm-hmm. <laughs> all is forgotten if you win the bean pot so they kept the guy it might have been the guy that was there before him who lasted didn't last a whole lot longer but then jerry york uh who obviously was at uh bowling green also uh came in so uh we have about five minutes until our guest joins us have you been uh watching the nhl playoffs um, I mean, we not, you know, really staying uh, on top of it night in and night out, but just, you know, if there's nothing on, throwing on a game. Um, to tell you the one thing, you know, a couple weeks back, and I just saw a meme again for it today, they interviewed Daryl Sutter from Calgary saying, you know, if he had to play the Avalanche in round one, he said it would be a waste of eight days. Well, <laughs> the meme today was – Daryl, you were wrong. It was a waste of seven because it only took seven <laughs> days for them to, to sweep Nashville. Yeah, that was the only sweep. Matter of fact, so it's been pretty good. I haven't watched as diligently as I usually do. I've watched most of the Bruins games, but uh, there was the one sweep, but the rest of the series are tight. As a matter of fact, tonight, again, we're taping this on Tuesday night, there's four game four or game, game fives, I guess, um, and all series are, are knotted 2-2, so uh should be some pretty good hockey tonight they have been talking a lot this week about the officiating standards and how they're actually calling penalties pretty much the same way they would in the regular season which is not usually how it goes they refs usually put their whistles away and uh so there's been a ton of power plays not as much five on five play and i'm kind of surprised that they're doing that first of all and if they were going, I'm assuming it's coming from above the powers that be, you would think they would communicate that to the league ahead of time that, Hey, we're actually going to call the rule book. But I I get it too. You know, let, let the players play, let them decide the game, but the rules are there for a reason. Yeah. You know, you play it's, you play one, one way all season long with those rules it, there needs to be some consistency with it once it rolls over into the playoffs. True. But so. that's the way they do it every year. And then to yeah. suddenly stop the teams build their roster knowing this. Yeah. And then you find out, Oh, I guess we didn't need Ryan Reeves and Barkley. <laughs> because they're not going to do a whole lot for us. You know? Yeah. No, well, I mean, I, I, I see both sides of it. So. Yeah. Um, one last thing again, Tuesday evening, the, uh, by the time you hear this, you will know the results of the draft lottery, but that happens at, uh, in about five minutes. So I don't know if you'll be able to, while we're talking to Bob Krosky, if you'll be able to maybe jump on and see, uh, see who, who wins that the, um, blue you can only move up 10 spots. They pick two balls too, two winners. I don't know why they do that. I don't know why it's not one or however many. They just seem to change the rules every year. <laughs> First, the, a couple of years ago, they were picking three numbers, and you could move up any number of spots. A couple of years, it was you can only move up five. So this year, they're picking two balls. You can move up ten spots. So the Jackets finished 12th from the bottom, or however you say that. So they can move up to number two if their own number gets chosen. And then they have the Blackhawks 
first rounder from the Seth Jones trade. Uh, but that is, is top two protected. So um, if Chicago were to win the lottery, they would keep it this year. And actually it might work out because the Blue Jackets would get a, their top pick next year. The Blackhawks are still going to suck and it's a much deeper draft next year. So that might end up working out for them. But I believe, uh, I'm not sure how it works if they, if their number got picked first and then Chicago, well, Chicago could, if Chicago was the second, let's say Montreal wins the first, is the first one chosen. And then the Blue Jackets got number two. I think the Blackhawks would be three. So they could end up getting the top, two of the top three, I think was the best case scenario. I don't know if I explained that right, but this episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest on air podcast is brought to you by the Ohio Hockey Project. First guest, Bob Krosky, grew up in Northeast Ohio and played collegiately at Kent State University. This past season, while coaching the Cleveland Barons, he saw four of his players selected in the Ontario Hockey League draft. Please welcome on air, Bob Krosky. Hey, Scott. Thanks for having me. So, Coach, we want to uh, talk about the remarkable season the Baron, your Barons uh, team had. But uh, first, let's hear a little bit about your background as a player and a coach. Tell us about the teams and coaches you played for growing up. I grew up here in good old Garfield Heights, played the uh, Cleveland Suburban Hockey League, Garfield Heights, did a short little stint with the uh, Cleveland Americans, and then uh, moved away, played in the Michigan National Hockey League for Team Indiana, and then uh, played my juniors in Kalamazoo, Michigan, in the North American League, and then got picked up by Kent State. Uh, played my four years there, and then uh, when it came to coaching, coached Western Michigan University, the club team, and uh, pretty much have coached every level from mites up through uh, college club as well as uh, even juniors, junior, junior B. So, uh, for those of us who don't, for those listeners that don't know, can you give us a short history on D1 hockey at Kent State, and how did that overlap with your? career was your senior year the last year they had uh d1 hockey there yes it was so basically if from my recollection was i know 88 to 94 was for sure division one uh 90 to 94 was the years i was at kent state and two of those years we were in the central collegiate hockey league hmm. uh, bowling green ohio state michigan and then at the end of my fourth year uh they ended up uh removing the program uh Several different reasons, not quite sure exactly. I think Title IX at the time was uh, one of the areas. They also had to make the rink bigger to meet the accommodations of the CCHA. So how was your experience as a student athlete at Kent State? It was a blast. Loved it. So it was, it was a good four years. It was one of those that I had an opportunity to go play at a couple other schools, uh, but uh, they had a great offer. And being from Cleveland, uh, being able to play close to experience were there any other ohio players uh on the team with you no i had to think about that no we we actually only had nine americans and uh, 16 canadians oh okay it was a big joke at uh, thanksgiving <laughs> time because thanksgiving time we'd be playing so everybody ended up coming to my house <laughs> for thanksgiving <laughs> well that's uh it's so that was what 30 almost 30 years ago um it's changed how the landscape has changed a lot there probably weren't a lot of ohio players available at that level to play at that level at d1 but now you know you, you can get a handful of kids at bowling green or miami or ohio state yeah, yeah. and i and i was fortunate i did have a good group in regards to fred harkins is the same age as myself perry cohagan 
uh, Brian Holzinger. So there were some, nice. some really good hockey players in the area. All right. Um, so let's, you know, coach move on to this season, uh, as Scott, you know, mentioned earlier in the episode and as you were getting on, um, I would say, you know, you guys had the privilege of having four of your players be drafted in the OHL draft this year. So can you give us just a scouting report and what attributes they have uh, that put them on the radar for major junior hockey? So we'll just start off with Anthony Spellacy, who was taken by the Windsor Spitfires. Sure, Dan. Um, welcome to Pittacy as well. Yeah. Now, the, uh, in regards to uh, Spellacy, uh, AJ is phenomenal. He's one of the fastest players you'll, that I've seen, especially at his age group. Uh, he's faster than most people. He's, uh, his leg strength is, is uncanny. I mean, he, he can start, you, you put him on the goal line, he'll catch somebody at the far blue line. Anyhow. He's, uh, his attributes were he's got great speed, good hands, great speed. And it's a 0-0 game, and uh, we're playing the Buffalo Junior Sabres. We're killing Spellacy takes it the full length of the ice around everybody and scores. He's just that strong. All right. Awesome. Um, Landon Watson taken by the Erie Otters. Lottie. Uh, now a couple of things here out of the four guys, uh, three of them are lifelong uh, Cleveland Barons kids, uh, which, which I was happy for them because they all play together for such a long period of time. You don't get that too. It's kind of a rarity to have three kids from one group. Uh, Landon, nice big defenseman. He's uh, got good hands. He's, he's calm. He's got a lot of patience. He's the type of kid that he'd go to look up and then all of a sudden there's a, uh, a four checker coming at him instead of trying to push it and force it forward at the far He'll like calm, be calm, pull it back, use his D partner and just is calm and possesses the puck. And so based on that ability, he's able to kind of control the game. He's also got a great shot. He, uh, he's a player that's a defenseman that was not afraid to jump into the play. Uh, it was kind of a joke to where if we have a two to one lead, there's two minutes left. So I would kind of be like, hey, buddy, now's not the time to go jump into play. Let's play a little bit of D. <laughs> but uh, he was, hey, he's just that type of player. He could do offensive as well as defensive. Awesome. Uh, Ryan Brzezinski taken by the Flint Firebirds. Yes. So Ryan and, and AJ was too. AJ was actually taken in the USHL draft as well uh, in the uh, uh, phase two portion. Ryan was also taken in the OHL as well as the USHL futures draft, which is pretty, pretty big accomplishment. But um, Ryan's a centerman that uh, he's gritty. He's got a ton of skill. He can skate, kind of does a little bit of everything. He was that player that if I needed a, uh, for a penalty kill, he was out there. He killed penalties, power play. He was out there on the power play, could do his job, sees the ice. And like I said, he's not afraid to get in the corners. Ryan's not the biggest guy. He's not small either. He's he's average hockey player, but he's a really good, hardworking player that is not afraid to put in the corners, play offensively, defensively, uh, but just a smart hockey player too. And he's got an act to score goals. And last but not least, Troy Hunka taken by the Sioux Greyhounds. Yeah, Hunka. <laughs> I laugh. Troy is a uh, player that is got ice running through his veins. I, I mean, the patience and calmness, I've never seen it on a kid his age. And what I mean by that is, is he can be in the slot. He could have three guys coming right at him. And if he's not ready and he doesn't see that perfect shot, he's not going to take it. He's just going to kind of wait. Right place to go. Uh, as far as uh, goal score, Troy's pretty much a natural goal score. He uh, he put up some major points. We were talking even in districts. He's putting up two, three points in a big game, and it would happen on several. Uh, so, lastly, on Troy too is he's got he sees the ice and he can move the puck, and he's not afraid to pass that puck because he knows it'll come back. I think that's what's kind of separated all, all four of these guys they have a vision that's 
a, I don't want to say above kids at their age level, but it technically is. They can see stuff that other kids aren't seeing and they're able to look for it and hit the open guy and what have you. Awesome. Um, you know, and I think it's also worth noting too, uh, Burke Castles, a goalie with the Ohio Blue Jackets 15s, was also picked by the Ottawa 67s. I mean, is that a kid you saw, yes. you know, numerous times throughout the year? Yeah, we saw him this year. He's a really good goalie. He uh, challenged us in our games. So I, I think that was obviously a great choice as well. He, uh, like I said, it was one of those where we were going to match up with the Blue Jackets. You know, going into the game, you're trying to figure out who you're going to be playing against. Him. And he was one that if we were playing against, we're like, all right, we got to take notice because he's a very good goaltender. You mentioned, in addition to being selected uh, by OHL teams, three of these players were also picked up in the USHL drafts. Uh, Hunka to Lincoln Stars in Phase 1, Rosinski to Youngstown in Phase 1, and Spellacy to Tri-City in Phase 2. Uh, also wanted to mention uh, from the USHL drafts, Phase 1, Powell, Ohio's Jack Hamilton, uh, picked by Omaha, Mommy's uh, Chase Nitrate to Madison, and then in Phase 2, Youngstown's Cal Houston to the hometown Phantoms, Colin Purcell uh, picked up by Tri-City and Upper Arlington's Hayes Hundley from the AAA Blue Jackets, 16 picked by City and also Cosman uh, by Madison. So quite a few Ohio players uh, taken in the USHL draft this year. So happy to see that. Um, so these kids, they have so many options of where to play and each player is trying to find the best development path for them. How much time do you spend talking to these guys over the various options they're, they're going to have next year? Or does that mostly paradise? So a lot of our discussion <clears throat> this year was uh, part of my coaching. So obviously we're, we're teaching them the game, we're teaching their skills. But also was one of my big impacts I try and teach on them is the mental portion. Because as we know, once you get to that junior level, you're going to have a coach that you're not producing go sit down. And it's just trying to teach them, hey, you know what, how do I get overcome this? How do I evaluate a game? How do I figure out exactly what I'm doing wrong so I can make sure that when I am at the junior level, I can progress and move forward. So to answer your question, there has been some discussion in regards to the future, but a lot of it falls on their advisors uh, with the families. So is it is it fair, and I don't, you're not, you're not asking you in which ones or anything, but does some of them, are they dead set on the going the college route or are some of, you know, you can still go to the OHL camp and not lose your eligibility, but uh, are some of them really want to play at that level if they get the opportunity? If, if I was a betting person, I would say you might see one or two at the OHL camp, at least at the camp. Yeah. Now the thing is, is it's pretty impressive. I was made aware these OHL offers are maybe they're a lot different than they were in the past. These guys are getting some significant stuff down the way. To whereas, if for example, they go that route and things don't quite work out, they're still going to get some scholarships. Right. Can't play hockey, but they're still getting that education. Yeah. So my guess is is at least two of them will definitely go the college route. Probably three, and then there's one to two that might go the OHL route. Okay. Um. So, you know, speaking of just moving on to the, the next level, when it comes to scouts, I mean, how many do you typically see from the various levels of college, junior, or even pro, you know, night in and night out at a tier one elite game? I can tell you, I was amazed this year. We even had them in Cleveland a significant amount of the time. So on average, even in Cleveland, we'd have three to four scouts a game. And, uh, and you go to a tier one elite event, we were having a good 20, 20 scouts there, especially for ourselves too. And then when you have us playing against the Penn's elite, I mean, there would be a good 15, 20, at least just half of the ice, another 15, 20 over there. So when you get to those games with little seniors, uh, the Penn's elite, all your top 10 teams, they're pretty much loaded up with good scouts. And uh, on average, like I said, for Cleveland at home, I was surprised. We even had major junior scouts here to where Kitchener, the guy comes up, he's introducing himself, kind of like caught off guard. It's like, hey, no problem. Can you just make sure I have a scout sheet so I know who I'm looking at? Uh, Tri-City was here quite a bit. That's USHL. But uh, yeah, like I said, on average, you're at home at least one. In regards to college, college scouts have been watching them. 
they'll do a lot on live burn too. Mm-hmm. So, which is uh, pretty interesting. Cool. Um, you know, so with those scouts, I mean, how much contact do you have with them personally? Like, are they reaching out to get backgrounds on kids to know what they're like on and off the ice? You know, or are they just kind of more just there to see them, you know, their, their play and their skill level? Oh, they'll reach out. They want to get to, they want to make sure they have kids of good character, uh, families of good character, so to speak. So they'll ask me a little, a lot about the kids. How's their work ethic? How's their hockey sense? How's their smart? Watch this game. It looks like they're doing a great job. But how are they at practice? So no, they ask a lot of questions just to make sure that these are kids that are working hard and are going to be the right fit for their organization. You know, sometimes you might get a kid that's got a bad attitude. And fortunately for me, I did not have that. I had these kids all had great attitudes. So it wasn't a situation for myself. But I know in the past that you kind of get a bad apple. You got a kid who's got a chip on his shoulder that's a little bit too much. They want to know that information. And as coaches, it's our job to to reveal the truth because we don't want to tarnish our name as well. Um, you know, and just the last follow-up with that, you know, it's again, it's amazing to to have four players from your roster selected to OHL. How much of that was scouts, you know, seeking out these players, but also the players kind of marketing themselves, getting that name out for themselves? You know, how much do you see of that at, at that level? The, uh, you know, that's a good question on that one, Dan, in regards to were the agents doing stuff behind the scenes? And I'm not sure. I would assume they were doing some communicating. Uh, but in regards to, like, from my perspective, I know I was just talking when they contacted me. Mm-hmm. A lot of them were reaching out. Uh, in regards to the parents, this group of parents that are here, they're not the over-the-top parents that are making 150, 400 calls. That's not their personality. So this group basically... I believe got through based on their skill, their merits, and being at the right places. And what I mean by that is, is playing at that tier one showcase, playing against the Caesars, playing at the right places to be visible. So that's what I feel. And you'll uh, start over next uh, next fall with the new group of players and parents. Um, you said you'll be coaching with the Barons again next year, but a different age level? Uh, yes. Yes, Scott. So I uh, decided uh, it's time for me to go back major and uh, start training them at a younger age hopefully by the time they get to that band of major midget minor I can help get them to where they need to be so the new coach can help get them moved on to for an opportunity to advance good stuff well uh, keep up the good work uh, doing a great job down there with the barons churning out uh, players and getting them ready to play up at uh, at but higher levels so uh, we want to thank you for coming on and uh, we'll check back with you during the season next year Excellent. I appreciate your time and uh, good luck to you guys. Thanks. Thanks, Coach. Yep, thank you. This episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest on air podcast is brought to you by the Ohio Hockey Project. Keep developing your game this summer with one week camps, development programs, and individual and small group sessions. Well, we were unable to arrange a live appearance from Gilmore Academy Varsity A head coach John Malloy this week, but we did catch up with him over the phone yesterday to talk about the Lancers' amazing season, which they capped off with their first ever state title. Congratulations to Coach Malloy and everybody at Gilmore Academy. Here is that conversation. We are here with Gilmore Academy Varsity A head coach John Malloy. Uh, the Lancers winning their first state championship uh, in OHSAA uh, history um, last month. So let's let's go back. Um, a two nothing win over St. Ed's in the semifinals. Um, so you had seen them a few weeks prior in the Cleveland Cup uh, championship game, a game they won in overtime. So was there anything that 
uh, you were able to take away from that game that helped you in the state semifinals? Well, I would say the biggest thing was just the players' confidence uh, because, uh, you know, that was a game that came after two previous losses uh, by a pretty significant amount, I think 6 nothing and 3 nothing, And so, the, you know, the way we played in that game, um, taking it to overtime, um, just gave us a lot of confidence that, you know, we were where we want to be. Uh, that game, the outcome didn't go our way. But as I said, uh, I think that confidence um, just kept us motivated. Uh, we were playing good hockey at that time um, going into that game. And uh, the, the, the players just had, um, you know, renewed energy to go back to practice and, and work a little bit harder. And your goaltender, Ian Anderson, was sharp. That was a 2 nothing win for you in this the state semifinal game. Obviously, he was uh, playing his best at the end of the season when he needed him to. Absolutely. I mean, it's uh, you know, I, I don't know too many teams that can win without great goaltending uh, coming through. And and uh, you know, Ian had played well all year, but hadn't really uh, had a significant um, you know one of those wins where you know everybody on the ice knew that he won the game for us uh, until that game. I think clearly. You know, he was the um, the key person in the game. Uh, I think, you know, what we did as players, uh, as the players did around him was, uh, I think there was only two times all game where he had to deal with a rebound shot. Uh, I think the, the, the guys did a, a great job of clearing rebounds. Um, the ones that he wasn't able to put in the corner or cover up, um, he, um, his team rallied around him and just um, made sure that there wasn't the second shots. And so, so often that's where uh, those things happen is uh, goals happen is on rebound goals. Yeah. And then uh, on to the state championship game against the defending champions from St. Francis and uh, another low scoring uh, tight checking game. I was really uh, taken with how many across the state in the league tournaments, the, the district tournaments, how many uh, one goal games there were this year. It seemed like every game was two one or three two in overtime. But you go in uh, to the championship game against St. Francis and end up going to three overtimes, and then late in the second overtime, Matt Bowman, uh, junior forward, with the game winner uh, to give the Lancers their first ever state championship. Um, can you describe that play for us? Well, it was a it was a play that occurred, you know, in the in the overtime. We were down to the four on four, um, and uh, we were still. I thought, you know, I think we were still running um, uh, three four sets of uh, two in terms of the forwards, and and uh, we were using all five of our defensemen still. And I noticed that they um, had really shortened their bench up a lot, uh, and I just felt real good you know, going with a, a little longer, a little deeper bench. Uh, and, of course, Matt and uh, Justin have been playing really well the last half of the year. And so they were on the ice. And, and Justin, I thought, made the play of the game uh, in terms of giving us uh, that opportunity. Um, they were clearly tired. We had them pinned in. They were trying to ice the puck. And Justin was able to get to the, um, the near side, closest to the bench area, and lift the stick and keep the puck in, um, and uh, um, and then the puck came um, out to the point, and we got a, a weak shot off. Uh, but it was a good play by Harry Rogers, getting getting the shot to to back down deep into the zone, and then their defenseman on the other side of the ice got the puck, and he was getting ready to ice it, and Justin was able to lift the stick, and so he got to the other side of the ice, lifted the defenseman's stick. And made a nifty pass to Matt, who was uh, just just on top of the circle a little bit, uh, between the top of the circle and the dot. And uh, Matt took a nice shot over the shoulder of the goaltender. And um, I I think everybody was – there wasn't much room. That goalie was playing really, really well. Smalley was playing very, very well um, all year. And um, so I don't think anybody was sure it went in initially. And then – uh, there was a, just a, a brief second where everybody realized it had gone in and, and the celebration began. That's great. And uh, so for you personally, um, 
This comes 35 years after winning a state championship at Cleveland Heights. Do you think waiting that long in between championships helped you appreciate it a little more? Uh, you know, probably there's a, a, a more appreciation, but, you know, I, I look at my teams throughout the years and, you know, you, you, it takes it takes a pretty talented team to win a single elimination tournament. And, um, you know, most most years we're, you know, we've had many years that we're top five, top ten, um, you know, and that doesn't always do it. And I think we always compete well, and I'm always, you know, that's a the main goal for me as a coach is trying to get our guys to play as, as well as they possibly can, can play. And uh, I think the years that, you know, maybe we were the number one or number two teams, which have been few and far between those years, not winning it probably were the hardest because, you know, you had the team that you could potentially um, win the state. Um, you know, the, the night, the uh, 2020 when we had the COVID year, we had a really good team, um, you know, yeah. and, and we were playing great hockey. Um, you know, that was, we don't, my team is because we're technically the sec- second team at Gilmore. I don't normally get high goal scorers, um, but that year we had Justin Evans who scored 35 goals for us. And, and uh, we had a couple other guys that were putting the puck in the net. We just had a really good team. And so that was a disappointing year and not being able to play it out. I'm not saying we would have won it, but uh, uh, it was a great, we would have had a great chance this year's team. I mean, I think my top goal scorer had 18 goals, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and you know, when you have teams like St. Ed's, uh, I don't know what, uh, uh, what's his name had, but, uh, and, and, you know, uh, St. Francis, I think they all had 30 goal plus kids on their team. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not saying it makes it easier. It just, it does take a lot of pressure off uh, your defense and your goalies when you, you've got some guys that um, are proven, uh, goal scorer. So throughout the years, you know, it's just um, um, I've always tried to focus on the, the the main thing is for the players to create really good relationships and, and, and play well as a team and support each other. And uh, in those ways, I think we win. Um, and if you end up being able to, to, in some cases, just I call it, get the breaks as well. And I think we did. We got some breaks this year. Uh, we got some goal scoring when we needed to get it, and we got, definitely got the goaltending. Uh, we played solid defensively all year, uh, but everything came together a little bit more for us. I mean, we had a triple overtime game against Walsh. <laughs> it could have ended there <laughs> yeah. along yeah. the way. We had a tough 2 nothing game, I think, against Menor. It could have ended there. Uh, but for whatever reason, it didn't this year, and, and the kids came through. So, um, uh, yes, I, I truly do appreciate it more. Uh, I hope the players uh, have a, a great appreciation of it. And maybe it might take 20, 30 years before they really, truly understand what they, they accomplished. Yeah. And, again, with all the close scores, I've, I've never thought that hockey was intended to be a single elimination sport, uh, especially when uh, you can run into a hot goalie or – in your case, it helps to have one on your team with Anderson stopping 61 out of 62 shots uh, in the two games in Columbus. Did I, <laughs> did I see a yeah? Did I see a college commitment for him? Uh, yes, recently, and I um, I I was told what it was, but um, and then I, I I just forgot. So I was I heard about it yesterday, and in fact, okay. um, I just wrote an email to um, the kids today to find out who who else may be have committed somewhere. Um, but I think okay. he's going to try to go and play, um, you know, um, um, I think it's a, it's a ACHA team. Mm-hmm. Um, um, okay. But I think he's going to try to, to, to go play. And, you know, he, he was solid all year. I mean, it's, it's not like this right. was a guy that was a horrible goalie that all of a sudden had two games. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, he, he, he played really, really well um, all year long. And, uh, um, you know, I think as I mentioned before, when you're playing on a team as a goaltender, which you know we were, we at one point this year we were averaging two, just over 2.1 goals a game. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so you know, fortunately we were only giving up, you know, one point six right. or something. Uh, it just uh, it's tough to be a net because you know you can't give up easy goals and and um, sometimes that just happens in a game. So. Um, he was tremendously focused. Uh, he was on fire. 
Um, some of the saves he made were uh, close to amazing. Uh, but what I really thought he did a great job of is um, not not making simple saves into um, tough plays. You know, sometimes, um, you know, you've seen enough hockey that sometimes there's a save that the goalie just should have covered or should have held on to um, or should have put in the corner, and they don't, and all of a sudden craziness happens, and, and he did not do any of that. And, uh, um, you know, but – uh, as I said, uh, if you watch the films, if you watch it again, you're going to see a team in front of him that was very focused on doing their jobs. Um, there were um, very few breakdowns. Um, I think through the two games and the overtime, I think throughout the whole weekend, we gave up three two-on-ones, um, which, you know, if you can limit your uh, the other team to um, um, having to face even odds or man and you know an extra man in front of them you're usually going to do pretty well so i was really pleased with the way the kids all came together as a team well and congratulations again uh bringing the state championship uh back with you to northeast ohio and um enjoy the rest of your summer well thank you and and uh you know i'd be remiss not uh mentioning that uh you know we, we we faced quality teams and quality opponents um and uh, the the gamesmanship and the sportsmanship in both of those games was par excellence, and that's just a credit to those two coaches and their staff and and the players. Well said. Thank you All very right, much, thank you, Scott. Yep. We'll talk to you uh-huh. soon. All right, take care. Bye. Thanks for joining us this week. Check out www.ohiohockeydigest.com for episode archives and a list of upcoming guests. Continuing to grow the game as best we can. This is On Air, the Ohio Hockey Digest podcast. story this life had many shades i'd wake up every morning and before i'd start each day i'd take a drag from last night's cigarette that smoldered in its trade